A lot of internet marketing is about intermediation or disintermediation, meaning do you create a layer of bureaucracy (laughs) that you benefit from, or do you remove a layer of bureaucracy that you benefit from? And ideally, in a perfect world, you remove layers of bureaucracy and you benefit from that and customers benefit from that. We are Michael Vesey in London, England, and Jason Miles in Seattle, Washington. More importantly, you are the owner of a thriving online business and you want to become the best e-commerce leader you can be. We're here to get you there. For show notes with links and resources mentioned today and for other GC resources like downloads, just visit our blog, theecommerceleader.com. Today's sponsor is Eva, the most intelligent Amazon scaling toolkit online. Amazon sellers need exact, quick-to-read profit reports. Many sellers already pay a lot of money for these. Eva has world-class finance analytics with crystal-clear graphs included at no extra cost. Eva serves hundreds of seven-figure sellers, averaging a 51% increase in profits. To get a 15-day free trial, just go to amazingfba.com forward slash Eva. That's amazingfba.com ba.com forward slash eva hey folks welcome back to the e-commerce leader one of our deep dives between myself michael vesey and jason miles in london england and seattle washington respectively we're talking about the shocking cash flow traits of the best e-commerce companies we're going to mention some big companies in our discussion probably but i can't emphasize enough how i've also seen it as jason has really make a huge difference in the the lives of our clients and our own lives as business owners when we get this stuff. So we're going to talk about a few exciting possibilities from Jason, including gift cards. I'm going to talk about sourcing location, and we're going to both talk about sales channels and digital products as well as to name, but a few of the topics are coming up and really the cash flow characteristics that each of these kind of infuses your business with. This stuff is not just for your accountant. It's not just theory. It is profoundly business changing and thus life changing if you get a handle on it if you're not enthused yet about cash flow and the cash flow characteristics of parts of your business i hope that you will be by the end of the show thank you very much in advance and enjoy listening to our show the membership one is one i'm a huge believer in we created sewing with cinnamon as our membership example i didn't even mention that a moment ago but yeah we have something like 1100 people in sewing with cinnamon her signature program she streams now on all the um, platforms as well. So you can find Sewing with Cinnamon on Apple TV and Roku and Amazon uh, Fire uh, TV device and all, all of the platforms. She has a membership program that is exactly like the Prime Video that you're describing or Netflix. For video creators, you can do that. But there's another whole example that's very common and very obvious that I want to mention, and uh, and that's gift cards. If this is an example of a negative cash flow business scenario, and let me just continue the thought here. You, If you're a big seller on Amazon, and then you want to start selling on your own Shopify site, and you don't set up membership, you're leaving cash flow models on the table that would be beneficial. And if you mm-hmm. don't set up gift cards, you're leaving uh, cash flow models that are beneficial that on the table or not or not installing them. The customers will buy gift cards for almost right. any product or category. Customers will customers will and, and this is important. Customers will buy a gift card for someone. They'll give it to that person. The assumption that, that person will use that gift card is an assumption. Huh. The, the the cash is in your bank account. The gift card is digital, theoretical ish to the uh, you know prospective new person, you will then wait for that person to redeem the gift card. 
If and when they do, you give them the product. But if they don't, it's free money. And the gift card industry knows this. There's redemption rates that are known quantities. It's something in the 75% range or 70% range or something last I heard, but I could be wrong about the, the specifics, but you can geek out over that if you want on your own as you're researching this. But the idea is on a Shopify site, it's very simple to set up gift cards. You can make them look nice and it looks like something that's gift. And if you're any kind of industry or business that has in any way that logic to it, you should be doing that. It is really beneficial to your business and it's not new thinking. You know, those have been around for, I don't even know how long, 30, 40 years or whatever it is, but they definitely relate to e-commerce operators. And uh, for the folks who we work with, that's one of the things we talk to them about in our coaching and consulting is what's your gift card strategy. And a lot of people were like, what now? Oh, let me describe how this works for you. <laughs> it's like, you know, it, it, because it's, a, it's the same thing mathematically. If you said you sell a hundred, you sell a hundred products, but you only have to ship 70 of them. Like how good did that deal be? And th- that's the same math. So think through that. And, and uh, Michael, I don't know if you have any thoughts or ideas for gift cards, or if you thought through that with other people before, but it's fun. No, stuff. never thought about it, but it, it makes absolute sense. I guess it's like the gym industry. They sell the idea of gym membership and you certainly have the right to access a gym, but most people don't. And then they join in January and give up in April when they admit to themselves, they're not going to go. And for that sort of period of time, they've got free cash coming in. Very interesting indeed. And I, as you put it, sell a hundred products, ship 70. That's certainly going to incredibly improve crazy margins no, that's, that's amazing. Cr- that's crazy <laughs> cash flow tricks <laughs> yeah that's like, amazing man yeah. but it's not there's nothing in that that's wrong uncool incorrect no, not at all. it's just yeah. a function of how gift cards work and amazing. if you understand that and you lean into it then you you benefit from that knowledge no issue there it's just it's just how it works yeah these are fun examples any other yeah. examples or where else do you want to take the conversation i guess i want to make sure that i bring it keep it uh doable for those people that i know that i work with or, or hopefully your potential clients or clients that are listening as well one thing is sourcing location whilst it is very cool if you can find a chinese manufacturer he will give you credit such that you don't have to pay until the goods land on your shores mm-hmm. that's great that's not easy to achieve whereas if you just set up if you think look through the lens of cash flow characteristics there's a better way of putting it at everything you do one of the reasons for changing sourcing location has nothing to do with anything else except how quickly you turn your money around so if you source in the same state as you sell stuff and that would be unusual for e-commerce you can't normally control the state but if you source in the uk a fairly small country to sell in the uk then you're going to generally find that you put your money down and you get the the traveling around of stock is going to be so much quicker that it affects the cash flow characteristics and people think of it as a stock management tool which it is but the flip side of that is it's a cash flow management tool so Mm -hmm. i really think that i would be quite prepared quite often to sacrifice the gross margin at least initially certainly initially maybe forever in in Mm -hmm. response for a great cash flow characteristics because it's actually the cash that enables growth if you have no free cash flow i.e you've got no profit either then that doesn't work of course but i I would accept a slight reduction in the in the profit margin which is Mm -hmm. a theoretical construct by an an accountant Mm -hmm. in response to better cash flow characteristics so you know that's the way i look at it these days no, that's interesting. For physical product sellers, then obviously that sourcing location is is central to the cash flow strategies. Yeah. And there's just so many angles on this. That's what's interesting about it. It's not a one trick pony. There's just so many interesting angles. So, yeah. So tell me about product types. Obviously, you're an expert in digital products. Tell us, tell me about your, your thoughts about the cash flow characteristics of those. 
Well, digital products are are fascinating as well. And as it t- relates to cash flow, sure, there's a lot of nuance there. And even saying digital products, that's a whole collection of probably 10 different sub models. But l- just for, for funsies, let's just you know choose one. Let's say it's a digital product that's a, a Udemy course. I'm just about to go t- for 40,000 students on Udemy. And that's super cool. So Digital product on Udemy. So pretty straightforward. Udemy is a platform for knowledge teaching and sharing your knowledge. You create a course, you upload it, and then they pay you as they make. So the the hard costs are front loaded. You have the time and energy and expense of creating the item. And that's true for di- the digital product industry. And that could be software. That could be a digitally downloaded item like a Kindle book or a, a PDF you sell on your website. Uh, I do all of those things. And and so they all work the same way. If you look at the meta level, the macro level, and that is you, your hard costs and expense and uh, so the maker expense. And the thing you're arbitraging there is you're arbitraging the ROI or you're guesstimating about the ROI. When I created my course on Udemy, my first one, Shopify Power, I didn't know it would do so well. So I had to upfront spend time and money and effort making the course itself. So let's just say in my time, let's just say I paid myself $50 an hour and whatever, 10 hours, $500 that it cost me. That's not real, but whatever. I just say $500 is what the cost was. I had no idea whether I'd make $500 back or how long it would take for me to make $500 back. Those are the only questions involved in the, in the, the, of digital items. That's true for software or any of it. But then what happens quickly is if you strike on, in baseball terms, uh, a single or a double or a triple or home run, let's just say you pay yourself back in the first month. So you have a 100% return on your investment in the first month. In month two, three and beyond, if you're not operating the platform upon which those uh, sales and if there's not any ongoing maintenance cost or, or other costs, then it's free cash flow back to you. And you're you paid yourself back, and it's all free cash flow. Now, in the software industry, there's server costs, there's dev costs, there's ongoing costs. So, software there is an extensive ongoing cost structure. But in other things, like a PDF book that you sell on Kindle, there is no ongoing cost structure unless you want to update it at some point. And if you put that Kindle book out there into the universe, and you've done it in such a way that it really tracks people, and you've hit on a hot topic. Uh, and it pays you back for your time and initial setup effort in the first month, then you could have a rocket ride. And that those cash flow dynamics are just very interesting because it, it creates a publisher uh, business very quickly. As soon as you have one or two of those things happen, you then realize you're in an industry that's like you're the publisher. And being a publisher is a very different you know, business model. And so that's the way it works. And, and there's all kinds of nuance there and fun topics and rabbit trails to go into. But digital goods is fascinating. Um, my best suggestion is to read Free the Future of a Radical Price by Chris Anderson and then his other book, The Long Tail. Those are old now, but they are the foundational books upon which many people have built incredibly good e-commerce businesses on these uh, principles. So there you have it. I see. Yeah, you're certainly the the expert in this stuff. I mean, obviously, I guess still Udemy's um, top e-commerce instructor with 40,000 students and, and certainly tons well, and tons of Kindle books out there. I'm up there, but I'm not the top anymore. Oh. There's uh, there's other courses for Shopify. There's one about how to build 
a Shopify biz- business for developers that's uh, beating my Shopify power course. And, and there are others too now, but nonetheless, it's an honor to have done it. I in total has 10, 10 courses on Udemy now. And that was just a side hustle gig that just went awesome. well. And I had the right timing. That's the way it works on Udemy. Just as a side note, if you want to teach, hmm. and this is true for publishing in general too. My first book that was published by McGraw-Hill is called Pinterest Power. And uh, I started it as a blog in 2011, marketing on Pinterest.com. And the thing that I stumbled into was I was in the right to win. There was an epoch of time in which I could do something and have it get traction. It was the right moment uh, culturally for me to write about marketing on Pinterest. And McGraw-Hill noted that and other publishers were all competing to get a book out. And so Pinterest power came out on Udemy, the Shopify course that I put out six, seven years ago was just before Shopify got super crazy. And so there is timing for such things in in the publishing world. That's it's a lot about timing and reading the society and what's going to be trendy and what's not. If you're good at it, you're multimillionaire. And if you're marginal at it, you'll make a living. You'll learn as you go. And that's the fun part. Yeah. I guess publishing has traditionally been a really difficult industry because you have to pay your authors in advances and try and read what's coming. And and I guess we have an opportunity to be part of that same industry, but without having to pay for expensive offices in Mm -hmm. in New York or London or what have you. Certainly exciting opportunity. I'm I'm forever begging. I I had discussions over a couple of beers the other day with the mastermind members, basically begging one of them who's in the supplements area to, to, you know, go and get somebody to write a book for him because he's certainly not a supplements expert i said look london is absolutely full of scientists at top universities mm-hmm. so there's no mm-hmm. reason not to very interesting now the the other thing that strikes me when it comes to cash flow characteristics you've mentioned already traffic channels so you've mentioned kindle books obviously it's on amazon and you mentioned uh, udemy which is another marketplace a third-party marketplace and you mentioned shopify which obviously you're the expert on and, and is your own uh, store so presumably that ha- has a big effect on the cash flow characteristics as well now you have a lot of experience of all of those different entities. What what are your thoughts on how that affects cash flow? It's a well, marketplace yeah. own site to start with. It is very interesting. If you own your own Shopify site and you have the gateways set up to to manage, then you get the sales transactions and in data directly unintermediated. A lot of internet marketing about is about intermediation or disintermediation. Meaning, do you create a layer of bureaucracy <laughs> that you benefit from? <laughs> Or do you remove a layer of bureaucracy that you benefit from? And ideally, in a perfect world, you remove layers of bureaucracy and you benefit from that and customers benefit from that. So that's like super high level idea. But anyway, as it relates to payment gateways and cash flows and that kind of thing on marketplaces, just simple example. Let's say you sell a $100 item on your Shopify site and and um, someone uh, pays through, through your Shopify site, you get payment depending on how they pay, but let's just say they check out with PayPal, you get payment immediately. You get the money then. Let's say you sell the $100 item through through Amazon and you're a relatively new Amazon seller. What's Is it 14 day uh, period before you'd get any payment? Yeah, that's, that's normally what you have to Some wait. people are grandfathered into the shorter duration, I think, but yeah. It's unusual, yeah. But 14 days later, you get the money. That's not as good. That's a long time in when you're thinking about this kind of stuff. And there are other platforms. So here's it even to extend it even further. Let's say that you, let's just say it was a book that you're selling. And let's say that book is sold by a distributor. Like in my case, McGraw-Hill sells my book at Barnes and Noble. So Barnes and Noble takes the money from the customer for my book. It's my book. But Barnes and Noble gives the money to McGraw-Hill, my publisher. Then my publisher gives it to my agent. 
who runs all the, they collect all the money and then disperse it to their, to their writers. And then my agent cuts me a check. That sequence of events is I get paid twice a year. So I, it doesn't matter if the sales happen every single day, which they do, I get paid twice. So that's an example of, for my business, for cash flow, that's very different characteristic. Yeah. You know, yeah. If I'm selling it on uh, ClickFunnels or on Shopify or my own site, whatever, and I get instant payment, those extremes are all just objects of uh, note and importance, depending on how you rig up your system. And they're all relatively in the same industry, which is publishing. So those are the dynamics that you have to think through. And it's endlessly fascinating to me. I don't know how people can understand this as boring. To me, if you're in business, this is what it's all about, is the great game of rigging these things up to 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 work. It's like, can you make this work? So anyway, there you go. I'm absolutely with you. I think that, let's put it this way, if nothing else, if what people take away from this episode, I hope, is a new lens through which to look at everything in your business. So, for example, a book is not just a book. You just outlined three different ways in which books can have completely different cash flow characteristics for the person Mm -hmm. who... Mm -hmm you know, the author, if you're also in the role of publisher or not, if you're in the role of the marketplace participant versus having your own mini marketplace of books. Yes. Yeah, so I think the the sales channel is not necessarily the whole story. The product type is not necessarily the whole story. Because mm-hmm. when you put the whole thing in together and you look at the character characteristics, and I, I love your very simple question. Who's paying first? Is it mm-hmm. you? Is it your customer? Is it the marketplace? Yeah. Um, that's a really great, simple question to go and yeah. ask of every part of your business. And when you're marketing, what, when do I pay? When do I get paid? Mm-hmm. For example, if you run Facebook ads to something, when do you get paid? And when do you pay Facebook if it's on a credit card mm-hmm. um, and Facebook lets you wait 14 days, whatever it is these days, maybe you can pay 45 days after you've run the ad, in which case, when do you get paid by your customers and how long does your payment processor take to, to pay you? And you know, Stripe delays everything by a few days, unfortunately, for example. So th- these are really critical questions. I think you're absolutely right. Yeah, totally. It's And it's so fun. There's so many examples. It's just like, <laughs> yeah. where do we stop? But it is. Yeah. Yeah. Can you do another one? Yeah, please. Okay, here's another one that people will be very familiar with if they're internet marketers and online sellers. And that's Russell Brunson's model for ClickFunnels. And you've maybe heard him talk about this, but I'll re-explain what he's what I've heard him mention before. His ClickFunnels software is one of the fastest growing SaaS businesses on the internet. If you're not familiar with it, it's basically a tool for building websites. And I, I remember a conversation he relayed, it might be in Expert Secrets, but he talked about the fact that venture capitalists wanted to come and try to give him money for his business. And the first question they ask is, what's your cost of acquisition? How much, is it, how much do you pay to get a new customer? And he said, we don't pay for new customers. They pay us. Look, it's, it's negative cash flow. We get the money first. And they were like, what do you mean? What do you mean? And he said, we use our our tool. We we use the tool we built called ClickFunnels. And uh, we give away something like a book. And then we, in ClickFunnels, have something called an order bump or an upsell. And then as people get the free book, then they'll add in the order bump for another like like $9 or something like that. And then they'll maybe they'll take the one-time offer that's right in that software checkout process. And maybe that's uh, $99. So that customer is given whatever that was, $106 or whatever I said. And and they advertise to find a customer that maybe takes them $20 to buy, find a customer. And the customer instantly gives them the $108 right in the transaction when they're signing up for the software. That's an example of a negative cash flow business where, to your point previously, Michael, ClickFunnels growth was fueled by its customers. They paid for them to do all that work because he rigged it up in such a way that the the customer's acquisition was a, a net positive thing. 
And if you have a business like that, the only question in your mind is, how can I get more of these? How do I get more of them? And if the average, uh, the cost of acquisition for the, your average customer is really like those real numbers, you just have, you back up the dump truck in terms of spending money to acquire customers. You could spend $20, you could spend $50, you could spend $99. You spend any amount you want to acquire a customer if they're giving you 108 up to $108. And so that ClickFunnels model is endlessly fascinating to me as well. And he's, he's created a massive business out of it. And it's because of the cash flow characteristics that he's described. And he's publicly explained to people, mm-hmm. customers are thrilled with ClickFunnels. I love ClickFunnels. We're, we do a lot of sales through ClickFunnels as a software tool. And, uh, and so anyway, that's another example of just how this kind of uh, cash flow characteristic can be so interesting to, to look at and, and, and explain. Yeah. Okay. I think the last thing I'd like to just say is, don't act click funnels if you're not. You, you've got to engineer your way mm-hmm. to it. And there's mm-hmm. a famous example of Hewlett Packard, which is a manufacturing company and huge. So it's not a great clean e-commerce small business example, I'm afraid. But they basically hired in a really fantastic CFO, chief financial officer. And, and he worked over time to change it from a very cash intensive, working capital intensive business where hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars were tied up for a long time to be negative cash flow. In other words, they got paid first and it took them a long time and a lot of work and they worked through the entire business to the point of seeing it as a lens to see everything. They re-engineered the entire business to serve this cash flow characteristics. And of course, what it meant was that they could then grow the business based on organic cash flow as much bigger risk reduction, much more efficient, much better in every way. So if a VC comes to those guys or indeed the stock markets look at that and they think this is such an attractive business to invest in as well. So I suppose what I'm trying to say you can go from very working capital intensive towards a much more positive cash flow uh, yeah. model over time, yeah. but don't act like you've done it already because you'll go broke. <laughs> That's all I yeah. would say. No, these are all, to your point, these are all refinements if you're already rolling. Th- these mm-hmm. are all opportunities for enhancement or improvement. And a logical extension of your current model is obviously w- what we're talking about for people who have an, a going concern. If you're just starting out in the world and you want to think about all of these things to some degree and then stick your toe in the water somehow and then start to learn as you go. But yeah, I totally agree. Obviously, you have to build from where you're at and modify what you've got. And um, then to the extent that you can make these little adjustments, as they say, big doors swing on little hinges. Mm -hmm. And these minor adjustments, imagine, for example, if somebody's selling, let's just say you're doing $50,000 or $100,000 a month through a Shopify site but you don't have a membership program and you could, or you don't have a gift card system or you could, or you don't have a digital product, but you could. Those three things alone will radically transform your cash flow characteristics in your business if you implement them in this year. And that's not an abstraction that's impossible. Those are just work a day kind of projects. Just set it up, figure it out, get it installed, market it properly and see what happens to your business uh, financials, you know. And just to give us an Amazon slash physical product uh, focus example, even more mundane, if you go and negotiate with your suppliers, if you've been buying stuff from them in large amounts for a while, you may be pleasantly surprised at what you can find, or you may find that that they refuse to give you extra credit, in which case I would risk all the pain and effort. Yes, I am asking you to do this, um, potentially go to a new supplier because it isn't just about quality control, although that obviously matters. It isn't just about reliability, although it's critical. It isn't just about 
price and unit economics, although it's obviously critical. It is about the cash flow characteristics. I would, to that extent, this isn't just me saying this, the people who work for the aggregators who work with um, businesses and acquire these businesses are saying the same stuff to me as well. So it is just, again, re-engineering the finances changes everything about the business. So you have to be willing to go and do that work, which is less kind of fun and sexy than adding a a membership program to a Shopify site. That sounds a lot more fun and creative to me, but (laughs) difficult conversations around credit arrangements are nevertheless really also important stuff as well. As a takeaway, then your example is great. So in summation of that, if you're an Amazon seller that sells physical product and you literally implemented a better deal with your manufacturer this year, an implementation of a short-term credit card scheme or cashback you know, rewards, uh, credit card, if you don't use one of those are low hanging fruit items as well on the Amazon physical product seller side, tactics and strategies exist regardless of your business model. I mean, every business model has options for optimization. And that's the exciting part of all of this. Yeah. yeah. Look, great conversation, man. I, I really enjoyed today because I think there's tons of stuff that people could go and do within the next few months, mm-hmm. actually, to transform their business, which is really exciting. So we're obviously becoming the cash flow nerds here. And mm-hmm. I, I hope we've, you know, got other people with the enthusiasm that we both seem to have for this topic very cool to hear about your what you're doing in your businesses is where you run so many different business models just the last thing to say to anyone uh watching or listening is just don't forget to check us out a couple of places in the call-in app these days so getting very popular we've got the call-in show with chris green and kyle hamer as well as jason and myself on every tuesday 8 a.m pacific 11 a.m eastern or 4 p.m uk time and of course we're here on Sundays live normally on basically all the social media channels you can check a stick at and on podcast apps near you. So on Spotify, I believe you can now also give a like love of some kind. So don't forget to do that and don't forget to subscribe so that we can keep giving you the guidance to make the best e-commerce leader you can be. That was the e-commerce leader podcast with Michael Vesey in London, England and Jason Miles in Seattle, Washington. If you liked this content, don't forget to subscribe to the show on your podcast app. For free resources, including PDFs and videos on topics like traffic, products and sales channels, just go to www.theecommerceleader.com. No hyphens, just as it sounds. Thanks so much for listening.